Yeah, prosperity to me, it's about making meaning, not just money. And here we are today in this world where this horrific uh, virus, the coronavirus, COVID is, is hitting the world in many ways. And I think one of the, the things that will be sort of a blessing in disguise out of such tragedy is that we will look back at our lives and say, okay, what really matters? Is it about the meaning we make? Because it's not about the money. We're in this Instagram world where people are always posting pictures of themselves doing great things and bragging about what they're doing in their lives. And it's often surrounded around, it's often highlighting the success, the prosperity they seem to have. But I think what we're realizing being shut in and self-isolating as many of us are, is realizing, you know, it's family, it's relationships. It's that we are happy contributing to others' lives and helping to make them better versus really just looking at the, the financial side. And I think that that's going to be a good thing coming out of this dark time. You're listening to the Money and Meaning Podcast, where we chronicle the search for meaning over money. I'm your host, Kenei Porter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one financial hypnotherapist. This podcast is the mission-driven CEO's guide to wealth without burnout, guilt, or greed. So let's get into today's show. Hey, hey, my prosperos. I am really excited about this episode. And what I'm really excited about is the recording timing as well as when it plays. So as I'm recording this, I'm recording this just before going on vacation. And at the first part of the vacation is going to be Jason's birthday. So we're going to hang out in La Jolla for a few days, be on the beach and chill. We're going to play some tennis. And then I'm going to go to my private retreat. It's a member only, invitation only group of female CEOs. Now I've talked about it before. It's where I met Emily Fletcher, Natalie Ledwell, Natalie Jill, it's it's so many, uh, Brie, Betty Rocker, if you know her, so many, uh, JJ Virgin for that matter. And so many of my closest CEO friends I met. And then also Allison Maslin. Then remember I was working with Pinnacle and I met Allison at Unicorn Club. All of these closest CEOs that I've had in the last year, it's been it's been pretty awesome that I've gotten to come so far in my friendships because for a while I didn't have female CEO friends. I had a lot of male ones and a lot of wise counsel from men. And speaking of wise counsel, this episode right here, boy, did I get some wise counsel. And neither of us you know, knew that by sharing his entrepreneurial journey, that Brian Scudamore would help me in my entrepreneur journey. And this year has been so much learning. A lot of people learned a lot in 2020 with COVID. I enjoyed the heck out of COVID time. You guys know that even when other people didn't. Yes, I can still be happy when other people are sad. It is something that is not, is kind of frowned upon in our world, especially here in America. But You've got to separate yourself for other people's sadness. But what I do say, and I've said it in a few of these episodes lately, but I've said it a million times, is that you've got to learn from other people's stories. And when Brian 
told me his story. At the time, I had no idea that it would spark an inspiration for me. Now, I had this conversation with him that you're about to listen to in March, right before our pause and pivot. You remember, March is when COVID hit and and shut us down. And I was having this conversation with him right before that happened. And in this conversation, he tells me about how he had to start his business all the way over. And not the business itself, but the team. See, here we go talking about team again. You've got to have the right team. And a lot of times you may have the right people, but they might be in the wrong seats. But sometimes you just don't have the right people, no matter how good a person they might be. And that's what happened with my team. I loved them. They loved me, but they weren't able to see my vision. They weren't able to connect with the type of CEO, the type of leader that I was. And and that was important because I'm a particular kind of person. So you really do have to be able to connect with who I am and the team that I have now. They are able to do that. And my team before, I I was grateful and really happy for that team. And But what I found was that when I was willing to let go, I was also willing to get bigger blessings. That's just one snippet of what this episode is about. But Brian talks about how you have to be willing to fail. And when you're willing to fail, you can reach higher heights. And when I thought about that, I mean, think about that. Many of us are playing to win. Absolutely. When you're playing to win, that's one height. But when you put it all on the table, because you are not afraid to fail. It's like when you are like, I don't even care what happens. I'm just going to do it all. Everything I can do, I'm just going to do it. And when you're willing to take that risk to fail, then you really have a springboard to success because sometimes you're afraid when you're, when you're playing to win, you might play it safe. And this tennis is a good example because I don't know if you've ever seen tennis and then the first serve, a lot of times, if you fault on the first serve, a lot of times what you'll see is the player play it safe and just make sure that they don't default. But can you imagine if every single time they serve, they serve like it was a first serve, they weren't afraid to fail, they weren't afraid to default, they just go at it and ace, you know, imagine that they're going to ace every single serve. Well, if you're playing to win, then what you're going to do is play it safe and make sure that second serve goes into the box. But if you're playing with the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm not even afraid to fail. If this defaults, so freaking what? What if it also aces? That's another option. So I'm going to go for it. When that happens, it just, you know, it, it allows you to go places that you just can't go when you're playing to win. And trust me, I played to win for a long time. But when I decided to play, like, just be like willing to fail, <laughs> man. Yeah, it opened up a lot. So that's what I learned from Brian. And I wonder what you will learn while listening to this episode. At the end, if you would like to connect with us, why don't you go ahead and join the Search for Meaning Over Money community? It's a great place to learn more. It's a great place to share your knowledge. And it really is a great place to, you know how they say it's lonely at the top? Well, you can take people with you. And 
I'm taking you with me if you'll let me, because I'm going to the top. I mean, I've got to because I'm willing to fail. So nowhere to go. Cause even if you're willing to fail and you, if you don't stop, you're going to springboard up. That's what I did when I had to start over, start my team over during COVID. And then now a year and a half later, totally different team, totally different structure. It allowed me to restructure some things, learn some new things. I got, you know, new coaching, new wisdom, new leadership, new mentors. And we also went in a direction we had been trying to go in for a while. Now we played it safe during COVID and we survived. And then a couple of months ago, we decided let's go where we were trying to go from the beginning and really get there. And now there are other people in that space. So we're always talking to CEOs about being number one in their industry. And that is our goal too. Our target is number one. And that's what we will hit number one, because we are not, we're not just playing to win. We're willing to fail. And by being willing to fail, we're going to go at it with everything we have. So if you want to go with us, then go ahead and join the search for meaning over money community and let's connect. I'll see you there. In the meantime, my prosperos, have a prosperous day, even if you're not winning today. You know what I'm saying? If you're listening to this because you need a little boost, this is the perfect episode for that because you're going to hear some ups and some downs and you're going to hear some moves that get made and how each move is integral to the bigger picture because today matters. It does. But where you're going is going to matter so much more that it makes today worth it. So I just thought I said that for somebody. I don't know who it was, but if it was you, you're welcome. And I will see you sooner. First, let me introduce our guest. Brian Scudamore is a serial entrepreneur and a passionate people person known for pioneering the professional junk hauling industry. Brian's entrepreneurial journey started in 1989 when he was just 19 years old with a $700 pickup truck and a crazy idea for a summer job. Over 30 years later, 1-800-GOT-JUNK is the world's largest junk removal service with over a thousand trucks serving 200 million people across North America and Australia. A strong believer in inspiring other burgeoning entrepreneurs, Brian recently released his first book, WTF. No, willing to fail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How, How failure can be your key to success. He is also a regular contributor to publications such as Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and Inc. Magazine, and has been featured on Oprah and CNBC. Brian's WTF philosophy continues to inspire others to take risks, embrace the power of dreaming big, learn from mistakes, and live life with intention by taking the road less traveled. So please join me in welcoming our guest today, Brian Scudamore. Hey, Brian. Hey, Kine, thanks so much for having me and thanks for the wonderful intro. I see that we do have something in common, not following rules and how our PR people reached out to you. You know, I, I didn't do well in school because I really couldn't follow the formal structure and that's what made me become an entrepreneur. 
I'm so with you. And we've both been on Oprah and uh, quite a few things. We have a lot in common. And so I'm really interested to hear your idea of prosperity. Yeah, prosperity to me, it's about making meaning, not just money. And here we are today in this world where this horrific uh, virus, the coronavirus, COVID is is hitting the world in many ways. And I think one of the the things that will be sort of a blessing in disguise out of such tragedy is that we will look back at our lives and say, okay, what really matters? Is it about the mm-hmm. meaning we make? Because it's not about the money. We're in this Instagram world where people are always posting pictures of themselves doing great things and bragging about what they're doing in their lives. And it's often surrounded around, it's often highlighting the success, the prosperity they seem to have. But I think what we're realizing being shut in and self-isolating as many of us are, is realizing, you know, it's family, it's relationships, It's that we are happy contributing to others' lives and helping to make them better versus really just looking at the the financial side. And I think that that's going to be a good thing coming out of this dark time. Yeah, I agree with you with that, the family, the relationships, and and that might bring people closer together after this crisis. And so Mm -hmm. let me ask you, when it comes to the meaning over money, when did that happen for you? Was it, is it something that you always had? Was it a, a turning point in your life? Tell me about that meaning over money idea for you. Yeah, well, I think I, I always envisioned myself playing the game of business, growing something, making money, but really it was the meaning side that I started to learn over the years would become more of a driver for me. And I think where it it happened was in my earliest days being in an entrepreneurial environment, working at my grandparents' army surplus store in San Francisco. I live in Vancouver, Canada. I used to go down to their army surplus store and work there every summer, Christmas holidays. And I'd be seven, eight, nine years old. And I remember working in this store and being so inspired by how they treated people, not just Mm -hmm customers, not just their employees, but even people, they were in a a dodgier end of town, if you will. And I remember you'd get some homeless people coming in asking for money. They'd never give them money, but they'd give them money or they'd give them their heart. They'd give them what they really needed versus what they had asked for. And I saw the meaning that my grandparents were building with this small business. And it just drove me. It lit a fire beneath my feet and it, it made me think, wow, imagine when I do actually get out there and start my own business, which of course became 1-800-GOT-JUNK, the Mm -hmm. impact we can have on our people and changing their lives, changing the lives of our franchise owners and watching them lead a, a movement of not just building a great business, but building a business that takes care of people and, and helps to teach them leadership and how to run a business and how to grow and develop their career. And to me, that just became something much more important than what dollars could ever buy. Mm, yeah. So I want to ask you more about the business and that growth and just the climb. But before I go there, I want to ask you about this inspiration that you said you got from your grandparents. So you got this idea of entrepreneurship and, you know, owning your own business from your grandparents. And so what did that mean when you went to school? Was it always, I'm going to go to school and get out at some point and own my own business? Or did you think you'd go that like society says, go to school, get a good job, you know, that kind of thing? What was that for you? 
I thought I would go to college and, well, I did go to college, but I thought I would finish college and I thought I'd get a job in middle-level management, work my way up the corporate ladder. And I was always motivated by bigger and better. But when I realized that controlling my own destiny and really running a small business and growing that, that I had a lot more control over my own freedom. And my own destiny became building out something where I would start an industry, pioneer the junk removal business, which was a very fragmented mom and pop business Mm -hmm. that never had a brand. I was able to start this 1-800-GOT-JUNK brand and bring in franchise owners and start to build something across North America and eventually the world. We're in Australia, Canada, and the United States. And I think for me, it became a journey of Building a business was going to be a lot of fun. Building a business was mm. opportunity. When I sat through school, I always loved to learn, but I don't think that I saw the opportunity in sitting in a classroom. I saw the opportunity to learn by getting out and talking to others. So if we sort of rewind for a minute here back to uh, college in 1992, I think it was 1993, I dropped out of college. I never finished. I sat down with my father, who's a liver transplant surgeon, who's done more schooling than anyone I've ever met. And I said, right. Dad, I'm, I'm going to create this business uh, full time. I'm learning more about business, running a business more than studying in textbooks and from university professors. And so I got out there and made some tough decisions. But I found I would interview entrepreneurs. I would interview other leaders and learn from them. And that became my schooling, if you will, and would ultimately propel me forward as a leader and an entrepreneur. Mm, Yes. And what I hear you saying is, and I hope the audience heard this too, is that, you know, you were going to school to learn business, but you were also learning by just getting out there and doing it. And for you, that was more valuable in that word. You know, yeah, society, you know, like I said earlier, society tells us go to school to learn it, but you're saying you got it like just getting your feet wet. Yeah. So let's compare and contrast two professions. You take my father, yeah. who's a liver transplant surgeon. Now, God forbid someone needs a liver transplant surgeon. You don't want somebody who's figured it out on the fly, right? You what? want somebody you that's don't want done to watch more that on a YouTube video. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas an entrepreneur, I think school isn't the best method for them. It's getting Mm -hmm. out there and making mistakes and learning and figuring things out on the fly because there isn't a one size fits all way to be an entrepreneur. Right. And my discovery of different tools and techniques, you know, I again reinvented an industry that was very fragmented, very mom and pop. If I had learned in textbooks and stayed focused on school, I might not have taken that road less traveled and try and reinvent a better practice on how to do junk removal. So I think for entrepreneurs, my recommendation is school isn't always the best way to learn. Definitely getting out there and talking to people, interviewing them, reading books, listening to podcasts and YouTube and so on. It can be a lot more impactful than traditional means. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like you can get that degree if you just want to have that degree, but you're really not going to learn it really until you get out there and do it. And like you said, you even interviewed entrepreneurs add to what you are already learning. I'm sure owning your own business, would you say? Absolutely. The best learning has come from sitting down and and talking to people who have been there and done that. So I take 1-800-GOT-JUNK and 10 years into the business, I look to franchise it. 
So I go approach people that had been senior leaders in McDonald's and other franchise organizations. And I said, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And these franchise experts, almost a dozen of them said, Brian, I I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think you Mm -hmm. can do it. And I asked why, why can't it be done? What would make it work? What's wrong with the model? And they gave me answers. And so I went back and retooled the model and said, okay, if I'm going to build a national brand, we've got to have a call center. We've got to do the booking and dispatch. We've got to have these amazing franchise partners with tight systems and national branding and great PR like Oprah and the Wall Street Journal. And I I went and really found the answers based on these experts who said, no, you can't do this. I think Mm -hmm. most people would have been discouraged and said, well, these experts say I can't do it. So it must not be able to be done. I've always loved the Walt Disney quote, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. I love discovering things that seem impossible and then figuring them out. So it's been a fun journey and by no means is it over, but I love when you face a wall where it seems like you just can't climb over that wall and get to the other side. And it's sometimes thinking differently. And as we talked about the taking the road less traveled. Yes. And so what what I'm hearing you say is, one, you did go out to get advice, right? But two, you didn't let that advice stop you, but you did let it shift you, which is so awesome because that shift is what most likely propelled you forward into the franchise because, you know, spoiler alert, you did franchise, right? Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, it seems ironic that these franchise experts were telling me not to do this. So I did get out and seek advice and counsel from smart people. But I think what's important is remembering to ask questions. When someone Mm. says no, the most powerful question is why not? What's missing? What would you do? We even talked about PR and and my PR people pitching you. What we've Mm -hmm. always taught our PR team to do back in the days when I was pitching Oprah and others is when you call a media outlet and they say, ah, sorry, this isn't a story. I'll always ask them what's missing. What would Mm -hmm. make it a story? What don't you like about it? And not that you're trying to convince them and change it to become a story, but you can use their answers the next time you pitch the next media outlet, you have more information that you're armed with in your arsenal to be able to say, okay, I understand how to frame this as a story. It's powerful stuff. It really is. And I really, I want to point out that many people see that as rejection, but you didn't see it as rejection. You didn't take it personally. Well, in a way you did, because you asked another question, but you didn't take it personally in a way to let it stop you. It wasn't rejection. It was just, it wasn't enough. What it well, what else does it need? It's kind of like when you're making dinner and you're like, taste this. And it's like, oh, it needs a little bit more pepper, you know, kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, you make you make some adjustments. And and you know what? Let's call it what it is. It was rejection. But wow, what a gift rejection is. I Mm. love when people say no. I would way rather them say no, because that's going to get me to a bigger yes. I want to hear from someone, here's what's wrong, and ask them why they think uh, that way, and and really sort of uncover the the little nuggets that are in there and their wisdom. So most times people get rejected, they don't listen, their feelings Mm -hmm. are hurt. But -hmm. imagine if you really opened your heart and your eyes and just sort of said, okay, whoa, I see something different now. Thank you for that gift of rejection. Wow. Thanks for shifting that. I love that. And and I'm wondering how does that fall or move into failing or allowing yourself to fail? 
talk to me about that and how those two kind of go together. Cause it sounds like being able to take a certain amount of rejection or even shift that rejection is part of the willing to fail. Am I right? Yeah. So this whole WTF willing to fail, I wrote a book about my 30 years in business and my life and some of the things I've learned so far in this journey. And I remember when I sat down and wrote the book with my co-author, Roy H. Williams, he's known as the Wizard of Ads. He does all our radio creative and he helped me put the book together. And I remember Roy, who's written a ton of books, said, don't worry about the title. And I said, Roy, I'm a branding guy. I need to start with the title. He said, no, no, I'm an author. I've done this a million times. Mm -hmm. Wait, the title will jump out at you. So sure enough, we put the manuscript together. And at the end of it, we said, wow, this is a story of failure after failure after failure. But each one of those failures led to a better situation, a better outcome. And so we called it WTF, willing to fail. And so if I look at rejection as a gift, so is failure. Failure is something that if I think of the time when in 1994, five years into the business, I had 11 employees and I fired every one of them on the spot. I decided I didn't have the right people. I didn't give them the love and support they needed. They didn't believe in me. I didn't believe in them. And it was time for a change. So I sat down and said, guys, I'm I'm sorry. I've let you down. I I haven't done a good job here. And the only way I know is to start again. So that failure taught me that a company is all about people, finding the right people and treating them right. And that mistake, if I didn't make the mistake at a half a million dollar business, but instead made it at a 10 million or a hundred million dollar business, it probably would have killed the business. So Mm. it's, as you said, a, a shift. It's how we look at things. If someone's able to look a failure in the eyes and say, wow, this is amazing. This is going to make me better. A window or a door of opportunity will open because of this failure. That'll allow you to grow and blossom in a way that you could have never imagined. Our franchise partners right now that are going through the crisis with the virus, they're they're sitting there going, there's opportunity in this. Mm-hmm. There's opportunity for government funding and support. There's opportunity for figuring out how to keep our people employed. There's opportunity for reinventing the business and and figuring out how to service customers safely. There's always opportunity. So be willing to make some mistakes. Be willing to then look that mistake in the eyes and say, what did I learn here that will now make me better? It's worked for me each and every time. Eternally grateful for failure and the, and the gift that lies within. Yeah, you said it's it's opportunity in this. And I was listening to another podcast and the guest that was on there, she had a cleaning company. And of course, she is still working because people want their homes cleaned because of the virus. But at some point that was going to tap out. Right. And so she also added grocery delivery to her offerings. And that wasn't something she did before, but she made that shift and she added that offering. So when the cleaning ran out, because people are like, well, I'm home all day. I don't, first of all, if I clean up, it's just going to get right back dirty. So I'm not going to do that. And so shifting to that grocery addition helped her stay in business. And I like that you are adding value to your franchisees. You're like, well, hey, how about, how about, using this as an opportunity to think differently, because this is in some ways a failure for some people. This this crisis that we're going through mm-hmm. is going to be a failure for them, but they can come out on the other side with some new tools, with some new experiences 
and yeah, with I, another failure under their belt, <laughs> like kind of yeah. like you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the failure can kill you and it can be your last failure. It can drive you out of business or you can you can learn from these opportunities and make adjustments. So in the same example of along the same vein as the woman who's got the cleaning company, some of our franchise partners in WOW One Day Painting who can't go in to people's homes and paint right now. I mean, who wants people mm. in their homes? Of course not. What they've done is also the same thing, the grocery delivery. Many of them are doing it just as a service to keep busy and to just get goodwill out there and help out seniors and help people and do something good in a time where things are tough. So it's the choices we make that keep us going. You know, some people sit there and roll over and play dead in hard times. Others sit there and say, okay, what can I do to grab the bull by its horns What can I do to learn something, to make a positive difference and to keep on going? Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, because for entrepreneurs like me, who I feel like I'm in this, the beginning of the middle, like I'm not in the beginning of my journey, nowhere near the end. And you 30 years ahead, you're ahead of me. And so listening to you say you fired your whole team and I only have a team of five and I can't imagine if I had to start over without them. But you did that. You let go of everybody and then you went back to running the whole company. Tell us about that. Hell, I had five trucks. We were a half a million in revenue and I had to go back to carrying my big brick cell phone in the in the truck and I would haul away junk. I would book and dispatch jobs to myself when customers would call. I'd also do the recruiting and hiring new people while I was out in the trucks. I mean, I was doing everything. It was, you know, six in the morning till nine at night and it was making me crazy, but it was a chance to rebuild and rebuild the business right. So what I was able to do is say, okay, I didn't hire the right people last time. Let me get this right this time. Let me be slower to hire, quick to fire if I make a mistake but bring in people really carefully where I have these happy, enthusiastic individuals as part of the team, rather than a bunch of people that just didn't believe in where we were going and really saw this just as a job. So I I vowed to hire people that I would consider friends. We don't compromise when we hire friends. We're very careful with our time and protective. So it was me getting out there and thinking, okay, I'm going to find people that I enjoy hanging out with in the trucks that speak well and share great energy with with customers. I wanted us to have fun together. And it's amazing because that's turned into a big hiring philosophy where we have about 550 people out of our head office. We've got thousands of employees out in the vehicles across our different franchise brands. And the number one thing we search for, we have a statement, hire happy people. As simple mm. as that. Enthusiastic, fun people that are optimistic And that's the reason why during today's times, why we will get to the other side of this crisis, because we have these wonderful personalities and people that see the the world as glass half full versus glass half empty. And it's going to make a massive difference to our business and our future. Okay. So now this is selfish. I just need to know, how do you know if somebody is a happy person? And I think I know, but I just want to hear from you because I am such a happy person that I Mm -hmm. sometimes bring people up to that level, even though that's not who they are naturally. So when they're around me, they come up to happy and then go if left to their own devices. They're not. So I like to hear how you kind of judge that or, or put some, how do you interview to see if that person is a happy person? Yeah, I think we know. I think that happy people can tell 
who else is happy. I can't see you. I am talking through a microphone and so are you, but I can, mm-hmm. I can hear your energy. I can tell that you're smiling and I'm doing the same. Yeah. I think that a smile is a big portion of it. I think the, the things people talk about, are they talking about opportunity or are they whining and complaining? I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've all known people like that, employees, people out in the public, and, and you watch leaders sometimes and they're just down and complaining about every single thing in the world. But you get other people that lift you up. Don't you want to work with someone that lifts you up and makes you better? Mm-hmm. I mean, energy is contagious. So I think we know. I think we have yeah. to trust our gut and find out are these people that have a smile and are sharing their heart and are going to make the world a better place. That's what I want to be a part of. Yes. And you're right. Because as soon as I looked at your picture, I knew I was like, oh, yes, we're going to get along. He's a good, he's like a a good guy, like the guy that I want to hang out with for an hour, you know? And so you're right. We do know. And I think learning from this conversation, one of the things I can shift is not so much because I can change the room. I can change the air when I walk in a room. I can change the room if I want to. But instead Mm -hmm. of doing that, I should or I could feel out that room, even if it's just me and another person, feel them out and then see if they can get me to move to where they are. And you're right. People are so good at complaining. Complaining is so freaking easy for us. But then you ask somebody, one of the questions we ask a lot is what's going well is one of our coaching questions. And if you ask that question, what's going well, I sometimes people have a really hard time answering that question. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, mm, well, hmm. I mean, they take so much time and I'm like, I'll wait. (laughs) Think of something. (laughs) Well, a a relevant example, I've got a a really close friend, longtime buddy. And when the virus started to hit the world and it seemed like the sky was falling and I'm an optimist, but I was still scared, of course. It was easy to look at the news and go, oh my gosh, one thing after another. And it was, it was scary. Well, a friend of mine started texting me all these different stories and links, and it was just, it got to be too much. So I finally said to this friend, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to, to, to text me good news. I need you to look for opportunities and things that are happening with COVID right now that feel better, that aren't just inducing panic. And he was very respectful and said, no problem. And he's been sending me good stuff ever since. And so sometimes we have to, you know, I can control my ability to not go to CNN. I can't control people Mm. texting me bad stuff, but I can ask them and say, could you please do this differently? And so it's, it's being clear what we want and what we look for in the world and asking others for their help. Yes. And that was so graceful in the way that you made that request because you didn't allow it to trigger you into reacting to him and maybe upsetting him back as much as you just said, Hey, I need you to do me a favor. And with that finesse, the way you finesse that conversation, people can receive that a lot easier and respond accordingly. Like you said, he says, sure. And so he obviously likes to send stories and articles. So he still gets to do what he likes to do. But now he's Mm -hmm. looking for more positive. And in a way, just like there's this secondary trauma that he was sending you. Now he's getting this secondary, you know, positive vibe that he can get from looking at those other stories. Mm -hmm. And no, it's been it's been good for both of us. It's interesting how you can make you know, and and I'm using your word shift one little conversation, one little text back to this person shifted our future in terms of how we're playing together. And it's been great. 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of takes me to a conversation that I, I would love us to touch on. And that is this lonely at the top thing, because you said you fired your whole staff and started all over. Now I wrote the book on starting over. I don't know if you know, I wrote mm-hmm. a book called the art of starting over and right. you seem to have that art down. <laughs> so I'm wondering when you talk about, you fired your whole staff, you started all over, probably it was lonely then, you know, mm-hmm. when we talk about this lonely at the top thing, what is your idea on that? How, when is it lonely at the top or how do we get through that? Well, I think sometimes in building a business, it's hard to know who to trust are people looking out for their own jobs or are they looking out for the the greater good of the whole company? Do they have your back or do they have the back of just their team? And so it can be lonely sometimes. People do treat me differently, I think, as a CEO, as a founder. And so sometimes you've got to ask deep questions to get to the root of the conversation and understanding, you know, what are they really looking for? What do they really feel? and just building relationships of, of trust. So a philosophy we have as a company is is being transparent. And in every conversation we have, it's just tell the truth, be transparent. Mm-hmm. We can't always give all the facts to someone if, you know, let's say we were doing a round of layoffs and we were in a tough state of our of our business. You can't always tell everyone exactly what's going on until you've got the answers, until you've got some plans. But just try and be real and try and empathize with people and 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 let them know that you understand them and what they're feeling and what what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you went through a time when you had to lay people off. What was that the last financial crisis? When was that that you had to lay like 52 people off or something like that? Yeah, so we laid off 52 people in 2008, I think it was. And okay, it, was, was it was the last financial meltdown and it was a tricky one. But we also put some people more recently from our sales center. We can't run out of, you know, we've got two offices right now, one in Vancouver and one in Toronto. And the shutdown, shut-in order in, in Toronto doesn't actually allow us to even go to our office. And so we had to fairly quickly in this crisis, take a bunch of people in our sales center uh, our call center and, and lay them off because w- we couldn't get into the office. There was no work for them. A lot of our employees didn't have the technology to be able to work from home. We took the balance of people and we said, okay, let's get all of our staff from both offices now working from home with the right technology and taking calls from home, which was a, a tough thing to to make happen, but we did it and we were still able to preserve a, a ton of jobs. Now, while business is down, you know, you look at layoffs in this situation and hope that many of them are, are just temporary and that we'll get back to a point where we can rehire those the sales center agents that we want back. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, these things happen and you've got to bob and weave a little bit, but you talked about restarting. I, I think that rebuilding a business, you're going to go through periods where things like the coronavirus happen outside of your control and it might cause you to make some adjustments, some things that you might not be happy with, but there's these constant restarts. And it's, again, the philosophy of how you look at that and go, okay, this is a new beginning. How's it going to change our business? How can it actually improve things? I mean, we see that with the world having gone heavily online during uh, this crisis, we believe that there'll be a lot fewer sales center agents and a lot more focus on our online booking engine. There will be opportunities. There'll be cost savings. There'll be new roles for people in the company. 
And you just, you got to be willing to change and adapt with what's ahead of you. Mm -hmm. So with that said, it sounds like you've been through quite a few ups and downs. And was there a time through these, you know, being willing to fail that you, you hit, you didn't handle stress well? Because a lot of times as you're talking, it sounds like it was just like, roll with the punches, move on, let's do it. Got it. Next, 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 next. But was there ever a time when you weren't handling the stress of all of this very well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a human being. I'm an optimistic, happy guy. But there's times where you're just like, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. What is going on? We're all dead. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, there can be scary times. What mm -hmm. I do whenever something isn't going well or it's seemingly difficult is I will, when I'm ready, take out a sheet of paper and I'll answer the question, what good will come from this seemingly dark situation or challenging time? So let's look at the COVID days, right? Here we are still, you know, most of us shut in at home, working from home. What good will come from this? As I said earlier, I think it's going to change what we value in the world, our friendships, our relationships with family, the importance of our time that we dedicate towards those versus just business, just just jobs. And so I often try and go, okay, this is this is a tough time, but there's going to be good that will come out of it. Good both on the personal side and good on the business side. You know, while our our business is not growing today, you know, we're definitely mm -hmm. off a little bit in revenue. I know that we're doing things right now and making decisions that will set us up for growth as we get out of this and as this all sort of blows over, so to speak. We will become a bigger, better, stronger business by the way we handle things by the type of decisions we we make and, and how we treat our people. So it's trying just to pull out that one little nugget and writing it down on paper. What's the good that can come from this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you can think of that and not always you're able to, but just the, the fact that you keep that top of mind. And I like that you said, when I'm ready, uh, I caught that because that was a, that's a great distinction. You start that process too early and you end up going down deeper into the hole rather than getting yourself out of that hole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to emotionally be ready and, and go, mm -hmm. okay, I've got this. I'm 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 not watching all the bad news right now. I'm I'm a little more optimistic. I'm ready to think more positively. And then, you know, something else that's been helpful even through this situation as an example, uh, I learned this from Oprah. You and I have both been on Oprah and I'm a, mm -hmm. a huge fan. And and something she contributed to my life is every day writing down or thinking about before I go to bed five things that I'm grateful for. And mm -hmm. so we started a little process where every single night at dinner with the kids, got three kids and we go around the table and the kids start it now. We don't even have anything to do with it. And they say, oh, let's do the gratitude thing. And it's during difficult days. What are we still grateful for? And I've had dinners over the last couple of weeks with the kids and, and my wife where it goes around and around and around the table and it doesn't stop. And we've already finished dinner and we're still talking about what we're grateful for. So wow. It's, it's, I want to come to dinner. Thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for so sure. Awesome. Over, over Zoom, you know, so it's one of those things where people can do that easily. Anyone can do it, but it is finding beauty, even on dark, rainy, cloudy days when the world seems to be falling apart. There's still moments that you can inspire your kids or your friends or your family to say, hey, there's a lot to be grateful for. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have one more question for you. I can't believe it's over already. But sure. before I ask that question, I'd like to know where people can reach out to you. I talked earlier about watching your TED Talk. So I'm definitely going to drop that in the show sure. notes. But where can people reach you if they want to kind of see more about what you do? Yeah, everyone seems to like different social mediums. And so whether mm-hmm. it's uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm all over the place and they can certainly reach out. Our parent website, our companies, we're called O2E Brands, which stands for Ordinary to Exceptional. We're taking ordinary businesses like junk removal or house painting or window washing and making them exceptional through amazing people and incredible customer experience. If anyone goes to O2EBrands.com, they'll see links to all of our different companies and all the things we love to do and and the the good we're doing in the world, building great businesses with uh, awesome entrepreneurially minded people. Awesome. Thank you. I'll put all of that in the show notes and I am going to have to have you promise that you will be going on to the next round so we can continue this conversation because we still have so much to talk about. Absolutely. It's been <laughs> awesome talking with you and you, you do bring a, a really happy, smiley energy to the world. So thank you for the podcast you're doing and the the stories you're collecting, Kine. Thank you. You're welcome. So my last question for you is, what is the best advice you've ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you? Yeah, best advice I ever received. There was a fellow who was a mentor of mine. He's since passed on, but he owned a company called Shreddit, the largest shredding company in the world. And his name was Greg Brophy. And I remember I called him up during a time when I was having a challenge with some of my people decisions in terms of people I had hired and was looking for a strong number two, a second in command. And I remember he just said to me, never, ever, ever, ever compromise on the quality of the people you bring into your organization. And so we don't compromise on on friendships. I started to, again, think of the people I bring in as franchise partners, as employees within our corporation. How do we sit there and never compromise? And so we really became a, a very slow to hire, quick to fire company. We take our time finding the right people, and then we do everything in our power to treat those people right. And that's made all the difference. Mm, Nice. Thank you. Thank you for ending with that, because I think in the beginning in your bio, I talked about you being a people person, but I really think that you're a person person. And what I mean by that Mm -hmm. is it's not about the blanket people. You really get into the person, it sounds like. Yeah, everyone has different motivations. And so I can sit there and say, hey, I'm motivated by creating meaning versus money. But I don't put that on others and say that they shouldn't be motivated by money. I want to find out what makes someone tick and see how our business and the things we do can help them get closer to their dreams. It's so good. And that is what I mean about finding meaning over money. Thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. Really, really appreciate your time, your energy, and your expertise. Awesome. Thanks, Kanae. It was a lot of fun. 
You are welcome. And thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. You are awesome too. Remember, failing is part of success. The more you do it, the better you respond to it. However you choose to get into a community so that it doesn't have to be lonely at the top for you, do that. However you choose to travel the world, let's travel, do that. It is going to pay off. It is worth it. So my prosperos, Thank you for listening. I will see you here next week. If you want to know how to officially join our tribe, then keep listening and we'll see you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my prosperity pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you. If you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now and you'll see the current updated blog for the week but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog we can email it to you if you like that's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now don't worry you don't have to remember that link or any links they're all in the show notes oh And I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.